Welcome to It's Just Historical, a podcast dedicated to reading, writing, and publishing historical fiction. I'm your host, Suzanne Dunlap, author of Historical Fiction for Adults and Teens. This podcast is brought to you by my passion for the art and craft of writing fiction and my delight in talking to authors I admire about books I love. So I'm here today with Jerry Westerson. I'm really looking forward to talking to her. She is the author of a an impressive series of medieval noir mysteries. And now she has coming out a steampunk historical fantasy mystery, some sort of thing like that, that is absolutely fun. So anyway, hi, Jerry. How are you? Hello, Susan. I'm good. Good. I guess I'm calling it gas lamp fantasy slash steampunk. Sounds interesting. There's so many descriptors for that. (laughs) I know. I know. But so let's dive right into that. Tell me how you came, how you decided to do this really, what is it? I don't know, fun, interesting, twisted kind of (laughs) book. (laughs) Well, it finally got me out of the Middle Ages. So I I got moved up to Victorian. So I'm slowly getting to the to the current life lifetime here. I I was always fascinated by first I like steampunk. But what got me going can you just define steampunk for people who might not know it's a subgenre of science fiction fantasy that involves an aesthetic that the world is powered only by steam, even the higher technology. It's usually set in a neo-Victorian London, and uh, and it sometimes involves magic and a lot of fun things like goggles and leather clothing and mostly dirigibles. you got to have dirigibles, doesn't everybody? So there's a lot to it, but it's sort of like pornography. You know it when you see it. Anyway, that's that definition. <clears throat> so yeah. I favored, um, in that time period, I was always fascinated by magicians, the pre-Houdinis, and, uh, and how the whole milieu of magic of, of that time period was thought of as sort of real. It wasn't just a stage show. People believed in it. And this was the time when seances are becoming popular. So there's always a little bit of mysticism involved in in magicians' show and their presentation. So I I was just so fascinated by that. The posters from that era are so wonderful. They all have have demons and devils and little imps (laughs) prancing around the magician who knows these secrets. So I wanted to do something in that. And uh, steampunk lended itself, to me anyway, to, to creating a story. So my protagonist is a magician, the Leopold Casimir, the Great Enchanter. And he does pepper his magic act with real magic because okay. he has learned the dangerous art of summoning Jewish demons. And what's really interesting, too, is he's not just a musician, but he's a Hungarian magician. and a and Hungarian, and he's a is he he's half Roma, right? Yeah. So that's more of that kind of mystical, magical, whatever. Anyway, stuff. yeah, yeah. But his uh, his father got, got his Jewish father got interested in uh, in studying the Kabbalah and Jewish mysticism and learned how to summon demons, and that sort of started a whole 
this this whole backstory is very interesting. So he started this whole thing where his father was swept away into Gehenna and was saved, but by his uh, the demon that, that they usually conjure to perform magic. But he was still he was swept away into Gehenna and sacrificed his life for his son because his son was sucked in there. But we find later that maybe that's not true. Yeah, there was yes. uh, all this this wonderful atmosphere that you can gather from the Romani people and from his Jewish heritage. And he, of course, gets involved in studying the Kabbalah and all that as well. So, And I picked Jewish demons because they were friendlier. <laughs> you look, historically speaking, the Old Testament, the demons there are playful spirits in a way. They're not as evil as when you get into the New Testament. So, yeah, it's interesting, that aspect. But also in studying Jewish mysticism, oh my gosh, it just comes with a whole plethora of things that you can grab. Uh, colors have meanings, numbers, obviously, numerology. But uh, there's so many things you can cull from it to put into your fantasy and really just embellish what you've learned. So it yeah. made for a lot of fun. <laughs> yeah, I bet. And and what I really also loved about it being a sort of historical, not myself, was how uh, the little bits and pieces of history that are blended in with this fantasy setting, and you really evoke London very well. And the, I love that the first scene takes place in a pea super. Yep. They don't have any more because they don't have the coal fire pollution. That's yeah. right. They, they made laws against that. <laughs> people right. were dying from it. But uh, yeah, I took what I learned from uh, researching medieval life and just plunged into Victorian life. The fun thing about Victorian life is that you have photographs. Yes. People every day in everyday life, uh, what they look like and what they were wearing and what and the different little jobs that they were the knocker uppers and right. that, that doesn't that sounds very young uh, sounds very sexy but it's not <laughs> it's not They're i know usually poor right. old women who were paid to be alarm clocks for you they would take You're a right. stick and knock on your window at the right time so yeah, when i when i lived in london for 10 years uh, I'll, i can't even remember the first time somebody said to me oh don't worry i'll, I'll knock you up <laughs> you in the morning yeah <laughs> Well, okay. <laughs> this is how they do it anymore. If you insist. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's fun. Yeah. Well, as I say in my afterward, I'm almost more concerned with the actual history than the fantasy. I want to get the history right first as the foundation. And then you can go from there. Obviously, we don't know. Is is there really magic flowing through every inch of uh, London? There could yeah. be, of course, but uh, but in this case, let's get the foundation right first. Let's get the idea of gaslight and electricity is starting to come in and all kinds of other things. Let's get all that first and then introduce demons and imps and all kinds of creatures. Yeah, yeah. And all kinds of creatures. That <laughs> is the operative word. I love, I love it. Fairies, imps. And what is it? Ogres, whatever. You've got all these kinds of different, beautifully described and appropriate to the period, which is what's really fun. It's not like a modern kind of fantasy. I was going to ask you, one of the things I was going to ask you is, first of all, what made you decide to shift away from the medieval noir, which you've done how many of? 
Uh, there's 14 released, and I'm writing the last one. Ah. It is ending. <laughs> the series wow. has 15 books. And I think that's a good that's a good number. <clears throat> I didn't want to write a series, a one series forever. I think that it I, I think that you should end a series. They can become stale, they can become repetitive after a while. And I I just I always planned on ending it anyway. <clears throat> Excuse me. And then the ending follows the timeline. This is Richard II's reign, and he had a very definite end to his, <laughs> to his reign, and that seemed like a really good point to end the series, so I'm writing that right now. And, and I just, I think I wanted to get away from medieval. I, I wanted to get back to some of the things that I always enjoyed reading when I was in high school and college. There was a lot of science fiction and fantasy, and and I had some definite ideas of things I wanted to try. And and the first that got published was the book of the Hidden series. That was four books, and done. And um, taking my agent's advice and writing a three book series, trilogies done. And uh, I think that's a good way to go. You won't get tired of it. You'll be very excited about just plunking through three books. And then move on to the next three, the next three. That way you don't have to worry about how long is this, how am I going to do this series? What if I get tired of it? Am I just going to stop writing them? I think yeah. uh, I owe readers uh, a good ending to each each series. So. Right, yeah. Yeah. yeah, I'm very interested in the whole phenomenon of series and trilogy and stuff because I, I've just dipped my toe into that recently as well, having had all my other books just be one-offs. Oh. And yeah, and when I started writing historical novels that no publisher would publish, they were all one-offs. And that was what I wrote. It was the only thing I thought. To. Yeah. So when I switched over to the idea of a mystery, I knew from my research that well, you probably had to write series because yeah. that's what editors wanted. So I'd never done that. So as soon as I whipped out the first Kristen Guest book, which wasn't the first one published, <laughs> I wrote the second and then I wrote the third right after to make sure that I knew how to do that. And once started, I was, I just love it. I love writing a series because so you are what- writing the longest novel ever. So. Yeah. and But what else about writing a series is do you enjoy? You really get a chance for your characters to grow. And you give them the time and the elbow room to do that. Crispin starts out pretty, he's pretty annoyed with his life as it is. Because he, he's a disgraced knight. And he has to eke out a living on the streets of London. And figures out how to, 14th century, figures out how to, to do that. And becomes a detective of private eye, as it were called the tracker, hired to find things and stumbles upon murder. So he's an angry individual <laughs> and he's angry for a lot of books. And I realize that's that's starting to get old. So we need to move him along. And he also has a, a servant that comes into his life, an orphan, orphan boy who's a pickpocket, is a cut person. And uh, he was only going to be in the books, the first couple of books. And then I was going to, he needs to move along. Crispin's on his own. But my editor liked him so much. He said, he's going to be in the series. And I said, <laughs> sure, sure. sure he is. <laughs> that yes. turned out to be wonderful serendipity because he's the one that really propels Crispin to, to change. 
Uh, he has to raise this child that he's never had to do. And, and it, it changes him. So he has to be responsible for this person. He teaches him to read and write. He's teaching him his craft. And that it opened up a whole different world for, for change and for things to come through through his life. It's been fun because each book gets to concentrate on one little aspect of life there in, in medieval London. And then he's grown, he grows through that. One of my favorite books was the third one. It's, it, and it has to do with medieval Jews mm-hmm. who were all kicked out of England a uh, hundred right. years before. <laughs> yeah. So how are they in England? That gets explained. But so that aspect was interesting. And then uh, that's the demon's parchment, by the way. And that, so there's each thing that I, that I find interesting in that time period, in that particular time period of, of Richard's reign, can become part of the story. Sometimes an important part, sometimes just a tangential part of the story. Right. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I see that. So let's go back a little bit further. And how, what was your journey to becoming a writer? Where, where did you start? How was this something you've done all your life? Or like me, is it something you came to later? It was something I did all my life for fun, since I could pick up a crayon. There were little stories, but it was never going to be a career choice. It was, I wrote uh, my first full length novel when I was 16, and no one in the world ever read it. <laughs> And uh, I have one like that somewhere. (laughs) No one was going to read it. I just started writing books from their novels. And uh, I had a career, even in college, my career uh, choice was design, art. I was a graphic designer and I I did that for many years in Los Angeles as a freelancer. And uh, when it was time to have a baby, (laughs) I had to put that aside for a little bit. child and then I figured when he's about two I'll get back into it. When he was about two the whole world had changed from hand-done graphic design to computer graphics. Yeah you may Um, not know this about me but I spent decades in advertising as a copywriter. Ah. Mm -hmm. Yeah and I started in the 70s in London. Oh boy. It was a completely Letraset. It was a completely different world. (laughs) <laughs> I'm looking over here and I still have my electroset tool sitting there. Oh, like, that's funny. It's a, yeah. it's a piece of archaeology. Nobody will understand. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, I did all that too. And working with typesetters and all that stuff. And it was great fun. But I had to stop to have this child. And then this child was 30 now. <laughs> and um, and when I was trying to get back, it was all computers. Jerry knew nothing of computers. <laughs> and uh, I couldn't afford to get them and I couldn't afford the classes to learn how to use them. So that was put aside and I thought, what else can I do to make a living that I could do at home to raise my child? So I thought, well, you know what? I've been writing all these years and I I really think I wanna make a go of it. I wanna make a go of writing historical novels. And so I brought this to my husband and I said, well, I, I think what I really wanna do is write novels do that for a living and he said honey that's great i'll support you in anything you want but do you write novels because <laughs> <laughs> he'd never seen them never read them yeah. i said oh yeah i have boxes of them here look i did the whole researching what did you have to do what are the formatting do you have to have an agent the answer is yes 
And I did all of that and uh, worked it out and and went ahead and, and started doing it. And I think I finished my first novel for sale in 92, 1992. Mm-hmm. And I got an agent about, I think, a couple years thereafter. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So you were in the, <laughs> the publishing world before it changed as well. <laughs> It, uh, I was writing as historical novels and the kind of historical novels I like to write about ordinary people in extraordinary circumstances, not about the courts, not about the, the kings and the queens and the, mm-hmm. the court life. And editors just didn't want to say, you know, we can't sell this. It needs to be about Anne Boleyn, for God's sake. Right, yes. So uh, that wasn't <laughs> happening. So... I, but I had a former agent who said, you should switch to medieval mysteries because that is... Cad fail, right? It's Cadfail, all because the, of him. Yeah. He was the queen of us all yeah. in medieval yeah. mysteries. And um, uh, mystery was a much better market, of course. Uh, you had conventions devoted to just mysteries. You had shelves in bookstores in those days, <laughs> just <laughs> mysteries, bookstores that just sold mysteries. So... Yeah, it was a good marketing move. And that kind of thing that I wrote easily translated to that. You could have a fictional detective. And then he can come into the situation where he, he gets to court sometimes and all the famous people and the real people that show up. So that does work. And But that took, that took me 14 years to get published because yeah, I had yeah. 10 years of writing stuff that people weren't going to publish. And finally switching over and then that moved quickly. So it's interesting that you have a design background because one of the things I loved about your book is how beautifully designed it is. And it's and you there's gonna be illustrations in it. And I I think Mm -hmm. only one of them was in the the Yeah, that was in the last book. Now there's five of them in there. Five. And Mm -hmm. what inspired you to do this? It's not usual to have illustrations in a if it's not like a graphic novel or something to me it had a a graphic novel vibe but I couldn't wrap my mind around writing one and then I couldn't even though I could it it could take a while I could probably have illustrated it myself it would have been extra burden and take it a long time but then I couldn't afford to have a whole graphic novel designed either I could afford a few pictures in it (laughs) so just to, to get a little of that sensibility in it. It was that kind of an idea. Yeah. It's, it is so funny you say that because I thought, oh, God, this would make a great graphic novel. I can really see how oh, yeah. it would work and the richness of the images and the characters and all that kind of thing. I, I love, oh, what's her name? Oh, I'm missing it. The, the female, the main female well, character. Mingli Zhao. Mingli Zhao, right. Yes. She's a terrific character. Yeah. She reminds me of who's the Asian woman in the Charlie's Angels movie? <laughs> Lucy Liu? Is that what yeah, that? yeah. There's something kind of Lucy Liu about her. Yeah. <laughs> so she's definitely got she's got uh, she's got her own Michigas going on. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> we'll find yeah. out later. But yeah, she's a fun character to write. She, it, the story almost always picks up when she shows up. <laughs> so <laughs> yeah. that tells me something. Yeah, she really adds something, adds a real spark to it. She, you and, know, there's not, nothing like a character that knows everything that's going on, that, that 
but is still cagey about telling you. And yeah, so that's kind of yeah, yeah. And and just back to this whole <laughs> thing, your your heroes, you're writing really both the Crispin guest and this one from the point of view of the male main character. Was that a conscious choice or did that just happen? Well, because it's really about the magician. Yeah, he had to be male. So, and I usually write male characters. And I, I very seldom write female characters. Book of the Hidden was different because I was following sort of the tropes of that genre of urban fantasy where it's a female protagonist told in first person, that sort of thing. And I'm also uh, thinking about a new steampunk YA series with a female protagonist, same reasons. But I usually had a male sensibility about things. I, I wanted what males do in the Middle Ages. They fight with swords and they're knights and things like that. That's where my mindset was for that. And, and for most of my other series, uh, I've been pretty male-centric. Yeah, it's interesting. Yeah. Uh, and I think it's fun when you are writing a book, you are all the characters. And you, like an actor, you, you find their motivations and you put on the costumes and you really get into the character. And so I like being in characters completely different from me. I like, obviously, being male. That makes them different right off the bat. But also, I even give them likes that are the opposite of my likes and dislikes that are the opposite of mine. I really want to be completely in their heads. How are they thinking? What informs what they do, how they say things, and all of that. That's part of the fun. Yeah, yeah. It's funny you said you're thinking about doing a YA series, because my thought of this was, oh my gosh, my uh, preteen, teen grandchildren would love this book. Mm-hmm. You know, <laughs> like it's still, I could totally see them getting into all of the, in fact, when it when it comes out and I can get a hard co- co- copy, I'm going to get one and send it to my 13-year-old granddaughter. In oh, I, I, it, and it's perfectly fine for that because uh, oh, yeah, yeah. there's no real language that's terrible in it and there's no... Listen, no I, write, <laughs> yeah, no, I write YA and it can be pretty, pretty mature. And, sure. and at that age, when they're good readers, they're reading adult level stuff. Oh, anyway. yeah. Yeah, no, yeah. yeah, exactly. I think I, I read Gone with the Wind in seventh grade, sitting in math class. <laughs> so, so you've already mentioned that you're going to be thinking about doing a series f- directly for the YA market. Right. Anything else that's coming up for you that you're going to continue? Well, I have a um, a series, uh, a necromancer series that is a a mashup of uh, medieval mystery and fantasy. So (laughs) I got to still use some of that research I got. from. Oh, yeah, yeah. So so that's that's kind of a fun and funny. I like to inject more humor into the things without being anachronistic, too. So yeah, yeah. Challenge. Because of that, but there's yeah, a, I, I have a werewolf mystery series, a contemporary series. You are unstoppable. <laughs> <laughs> that's already out there, so I have to write the second of that one. That's coming yeah. out. Set in Huntington Beach, with a uh, with a guy with a surfer guy with a werewolf problem. So, ah, <laughs> uh, very funny. And and so so is that really contemporary? The werewolf yes. series? 
Yeah. yeah. So how do you find flipping between historical and contemporary? Is there? It's not a problem. I don't write two different books at the same time, but once you're in that, in that zone, you're there. Yeah. Yeah. No what the era. So. Yeah. Victorian so, has been really fun. Yeah, I know. And there's been, a lot of good very stuff. Very different from anything I've researched before, but like anything yeah. else, there it is. Yeah. So is there anything, first of all, when is this book coming out? When is your... It is coming out on Halloween. On Halloween. Do you have any sort of fun events or anything planned? I know it's a little difficult at this time, but... Yeah, they're virtual. <laughs> yes, of course. On the 30th of October is the Facebook launch. And I've been doing Facebook launches for a few years now. So now they're just more populated. <laughs> yeah. And on the 31st, on a Halloween, I have uh, my live YouTube event. So I have a YouTube channel, a lot of fun videos on there, mm-hmm. uh, some book trailers and just some little videos that I did for fun. And uh, so that's that will be there on a live feed. These are both at 2 p.m. Pacific time. And there are so many fun things to give away. I have all these little fun little gifts to give away. So it's all cool. free. Yeah, you should make sure I have the links and stuff for that because I'll put them in the in the notes for the show. Yeah, Yeah. there's a blog tour that kind of goes with that, and so that's all through this month. So wonderful. Is there anything else you'd like to talk about that I haven't thought of asking you? Let's see about this book, (laughs) Clockwork (laughs) Gypsy. It has a title. Yeah. Um, And it's a fun book. This is the second in the Enchanter Chronicles series uh, trilogy. So Leopold Casimir is my uh, magician and the special inspector Ming Li Zhao from Scotland Yard. And he is pretty besotted with her. So there's a lot of back and forth with them. And um, it involves a lot of uh, mysticism, fantasy, creatures, Essentially, there is a railway that is built that promises London to Edinburgh in two hours, uh, which is impossible. <laughs> but yes. uh, even uh, but today, it, yeah, even today, yes, <laughs> yeah. I mean, sure, nobody was going in there in two hours. Uh, but it seems to be the cause of, of immortal beings being killed. So this is what brings out Ming Li Zhao. That's she's the special inspector because. She um, investigates supernatural doings in London. Meanwhile, there's this clockwork man on the loose, and he is trying to kill Leopold, and we have to figure out why. So all these things are coming at them, and and Leopold, of course, has his demon friend. He has his inspector friend from Scotland Yard, who is now a ghost. Who's a ghost, yes, I love that. And his (laughs) automaton friend, Raj. Yeah. And, uh, so there's, there's all these there's all these creatures and, and interesting things that happen in this. It's just a lot of fun. I'm. It's a little bit of a breath of change, fresh air. I, I read a lot of historical fiction and oh, stuff yeah. because mm-hmm. I have to, and and I yeah. love it. But it's just it's like oh, this is so much fun. <laughs> you know? Yeah, it's you can just zip through it and smile as you're doing it, even though all these horrible things are happening. Horrible so, things are happening, but there's a lot of humor in there. As well. Yeah, exactly. So anyway, I it's great because it's a talking to you adds a little 
different dimension to the people I've had on my podcast so far. So it, it, it was really great that you agreed to come. And oh, I well, hope. Thank hope you for inviting me. <laughs> <laughs> it's awesome. But anyway, so a clock. Sorry, my m- memory for names and titles is non-existent. I, so give us I get the info. <laughs> I really do. It's, yeah. it's clockwork gypsy. Yeah. Okay. All right. And it's coming out on Halloween and, and Halloween. I will put some links into the, into the show notes. And yeah. yeah. So what can I say except thank you for this fun conversation. And <laughs> I hope Clockwork Gypsy has a really fun opening, even though, even though we're somewhat limited because of, because we're all virtual. <laughs> <laughs> we really don't exist. It's all, no, we don't exist. Somebody's imagination. I know. How do I know you're really there, Jerry? I'm not. I'm not. I'm not there at all. <laughs> A lot of people have told me I'm. I'm not all there. Oh, on that note, <laughs> <laughs> thank you again, and uh, I hope you have a great day, weekend, and everything. And and we will talk again. All right. Thank you, Susan. Thanks so much. You've been listening to It's Just Historical, hosted by Suzanne Dunlap. I hope you'll subscribe to the podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or Google. Visit the podcast website at itsjusthistorical.com and find out more about me and my books at suzanne-dunlap.com. That's Suzanne with an S and Dunlap with an A. Until next time.